three Wednesday. Uh, yeah, we're gonna recap Wednesday. Recording yeah. in the morning throws my days off. Yeah, it does. So <laughs> it's like, what day are we talking about? Um, we have a pretty full slate. We both had some pretty consistent appointments on Wednesday on the show floor and in the meeting rooms. So we are going to quickly go over that stuff. Nothing ridiculous or anything happened yesterday. No, nothing leaked or nobody freaked out about anything. So No, no. The only ridiculous thing that happened is I got punched by a cheeseburger that was flossing at the Fortnite booth. Uh, <laughs> was it not? Why were you in the Fortnite booth? I was walking over to the Arcade 1-Up booth just to look at the, uh, the X-Men machine again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a, they have like Fortnite, iconic Fortnite characters walking around. And then one of them was like super excited. I'm trying to walk by. And he's like, I can floss. And then started to floss. And it's like got me in my arm. And it was just like I got hit by a fucking cheeseburger. Do you have an orange backpack on? Uh, no, he didn't. Because that would be they would get sued probably. <laughs> I would be surprised if there's some epic lawyers that saw the cheeseburger doing that immediately was like, stop, 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 stop. <laughs> Litigation. All right. So um, I started off the day seeing um, Pro Evolution Soccer 2020. Yeah. Probably. 2020. Um, they have delved more into the the eSport aspect of it. Um, Gameplay-wise, I didn't see very uh, much crazy changes. We got to play a game of soccer, uh, a couple games of soccer. Um I still couldn't score a goal in the game in the, during the entire game. Uh, the passing and everything felt good. Switching between players and everything like that felt well felt good. Um, the way that the you know the players moved and the, the tutorials popped up at good times and everything like that and they they showed you know like it not showed but it just it felt you know like just kind of like a soccer game would. Um, so there wasn't really anything like crazy crazy. Um, they are going more towards like the e-football aspect so it's actually called e-football Pez 2020 so heavy focus on the e-sports um, aspect of soccer um, you know like they've done a whole bunch of um, gameplay small tweaks to it and everything like that like I was saying the tutorials like, like when we had to do a corner kick or we had to do a penalty kick or we had to do like a kickoff or whatever it all just like the, those tutorials popped up at the right time mm-hmm. um, but other than that it didn't do anything crazy or wow me for anything. Um, the other game I got to see that I thought was really cool was uh, Contra Rogue uh, Rogue Corpse. So this I feel like is Contra kind of meeting like Dead Nation in terms of like the, th- the three quarter perspective look and um, the twin stick shooter aspect mm-hmm. of it. So you can you know like and there's a little bit more slight verticality to these maps compared to like a game like Dead Nation or anything like that. Um, and the four and it does have four player online co op. Okay. And it will have a um, a PvP mode, so it's, I think it's around thirty or forty bucks. So they were showing it. Um, we got to play it uh, yet again, like the arcade. They have it. All, they had it kind of built into this arcade cabinet, and I was taller than the arcade cabinet. Okay, so it's one of those three fourths one. <laughs> yeah, and it was a good size, but just the way that the screen was in there with the overhang and the Contra logo and stuff like that. But it definitely gave you the Contra feel. It had some cool little throwback things to it that, as you're progressing through the level, that showed you. Um, you know, similar to how like the monsters and everything worked. It takes place com- like immediately after like the Alien Wars, um, where Contra's series had continued over time, and each player has like abilities and you know things like that that they can you can upgrade and and do all that stuff. They're um, like I said, they're going to have a PvP mode. What that's going to look like, I don't know. Um, and then they uh, the online. So that was a bit my biggest concern because they talked about some couch co-op and everything like that, but it will be you know fully online. Mm-hmm. So. It's coming out in September, so 
You got to go to Bandai, right? Yeah, I got to see three games at Bandai. Um, the first one is Dragon Ball uh, Karakot, I believe is what the, the new one's called. It's Goku's name. Sorry, I'm not like the biggest Dragon Ball aficionado or anything like that. So some of the names I, I, I mess up on. We just um, lost a viewer, man. Yeah, probably. Andy. <laughs> um so this one is an action RPG, as its former project name was before it was Dragon Ball Project Z, an action RPG game, I believe was the, the working title before they went with Kakarot. And this is an openish world RPG. Um, it's broken down into regions, but the regions are uh, very large. Uh, they went to the uh, that 3D fighting system where you're you know, cameras can spin around and you're mm-hmm. doing attacks mid-air and stuff like that. Uh, they went to that style just because it better suits the show just because those fights usually you're flying around, you're seeing, you know, crazy jumps and stuff like that. Uh, so they went with that style. And previous... This isn't the first time they've done that with Dragon Ball games and it's usually been pretty rough, but this one, they removed the invisible walls in, like, that region, so you're no longer in, like, an open space that just gets, you know, squared up when you're in battle. So you pretty much have the whole region that you're in to do the fight. Uh, combat flows pretty well. I mean, you have your, uh, your attack button, your, uh, your chi button to, like, basically, you know, shoot orbs out, uh, and then build up abilities... Uh, for like special attacks Mm -hmm. Uh, then there's going to just be side missions and stuff like that Uh, it takes place early in the Dragon Ball uh, lore uh, because they want to fill those gaps like canonically they want to fill in some of the gaps uh, that were in uh, Dragon Ball Z so they're working to to do that with uh, you know the creators of Dragon Ball Uh, and it's, it seemed fun. Like, I, I, I played it for about, like, 20 minutes. I did a, a boss battle uh, against Raditz. Um, and it was pretty intense. Like, it was a multi-tiered boss fight, as you mm-hmm. imagine, you know. Uh, and, of course, in Dragon Ball uh, fashion, I feel like a lot of these games, you win the battle, beat the crap out of them, uh, or the first tier, uh, and then the you get a cutscene, and, like, your character is, like, super beat up, you know. And the character you just beat the hell out of is like, oh, is that all you got? You're tired? And you're just like, no, I just kicked your ass for like <laughs> 10 minutes. Uh, and then you go into uh, the next uh, battle. Right. Uh, but there's like villagers that you can interact with, get side missions. So it's like open world RPG in that aspect. Cool. Uh, and then I uh, played uh, Man of Madan, which is the Dark Pictures anthology from Supermassive Games. Okay. Uh, got to play uh, like a 10, 15 minute demo, just, you know, making basic choices. Uh, the the story is going to follow, uh, it's like five, uh, four, four friends and a uh, ship captain, uh, and you're, it seems like you're treasure hunting. Uh, it looks like a vacation, but it turns out you, you think you found a way to find some, like, lost, like, I think World War II treasure, because it's like a big U-boat. Uh, <laughs> But uh, on the way there, in the vertical slice that we had, you get basically kidnapped. Someone comes on your ship, does the I am the captain now type of thing, uh-huh. and uh, you, you're you tied up with uh, your friends, and you have to you jump from character to character a little bit, 
uh, we will jump from character to character in a little bit. The, the one character I played was played by Sean Ashmore, which we've seen in a, a ton of video games, you know, Angel from X-Men. And uh, you basically have to decide at one point in this demo whether you jump ship to a boat that's tied to it and see if you can escape or grab a knife and just see what you can do with the knife. Uh, I grabbed the knife because... Uh, uh, you know, split second decision. It's like oh, I see my shot, and I want to make this interesting because I'm going to play this demo once, uh, and then just see where the story goes from there. I don't want to spoil it because this is going to be like pretty much in the game, you know. And it's fun. I noticed I, I, it's been a while since I played Until Dawn, uh, but there was a couple times where they, they described what the characters' personalities are because they jumped us from like not the, the exact beginning, but like when st- stuff starts happening and. They every decision I made, uh, it would say uh, I would get like a red X if it was against my character's personality. Hmm. So like the decisions I was making don't fit. Like one guy, they said he's like he's the cocky ladies man kind of guy. He's like an asshole. And if I made any sort of like heartfelt decisions or like you know common sense decisions, I would see like X and it would say like personality trait. So it looks like it's tracking to see if you're playing the hmm. characters based on their personality. Uh, and I don't know how that will evolve, but uh, mm-hmm. it seems like an interesting thing. Um, but you saw the typical, like, Until Dawn-type mechanics, you know. Uh, since you're on a ship, the, uh, the the dialogue option thing is like a little compass that you, like, mm-hmm. move the analog stick to the three choices. Uh, it comes out in August. Oh, really? uh, yeah, it comes out in August. They're, they're doing a curator's cut later in the year that will be free uh, to... To play, it's like director's cut, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that'll be free to uh, play if you bought the game. You have to finish the story to do the curator's cut. Okay. Uh, but it's basically the director's cut. Uh, it was pretty cool. Uh, it's it's one of those things where when you get the E3 demos, uh, you get slices uh, of the game that might not be fully polished. So it's one of those things where like I, I still have problems with like mouth tech. It's like the E3 this year. I'm just noticing like. In demos like the mouth technology, but I based on you know they're working until dawn. I'm sure they'll have that figured out. It was just like lacking a little bit of polish here and there. Uh, but yeah, it seems like it's a like full price game. Yeah, as far you as said I can tell, Bandai's publishing that for them. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so it sounds like it might be a full price game. Uh, there's no no one on staff available because mm-hmm. uh, I just wanted to know because it's, it's an anthology. So like, are they all set up for it, or is it going to be like hope this one does well? And right. then continue. Or and it's completely. Set. This is the stuff we heard about a little while ago when they started talking about anthology stuff for Super. Yeah, Super, yeah. Right? This is the, it's completely the, separate from the Until Dawn and the yeah, yeah. Impatient worlds yeah, and everything. Yeah, because like I think Sony owns the Until Dawn stuff. Okay. Uh, so this is their own thing, and it's going to be an anthology series. But I just wonder if like these are possibly full price game. It might be in like that forty to sixty dollar yeah. range. But how long do we wait for the next? basically, you know, anthology episode, which will be a completely different story, but I just want to know like their their dev cycle for getting these games out. Um, then the last game I played, I didn't play too long of it just because I had a runoff. Uh, but uh, Code Vein, which has been around for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an action RPG brawler. Uh, hard as hell. It was definitely one of those things where 
uh, they, at one point there's this like you, you play as a, a, a male character and then you have like a, a female character uh, I don't know I mean it was just AI based so I don't know if there might be called there might be uh, someone will like correct us on that and it, it was just tough as hell it was just definitely one of those things where I, I played Dragon Ball for like 30 minutes mm-hmm. I played Madon for like 15 30 minutes in that range and then only had like 10 minutes left uh, to do code vein so I ended up just you know getting my ass kicked a couple times uh, action is pretty fluid there's cool abilities like teleporting abilities and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, but the the characters just need one or two hits to die uh-huh. uh, so it seems very like at least in this demo a little a little punishing with that to where you, you need to know the, 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 the enemy types and their abilities or their you know their their moves and all that stuff and learning that in like a ten minute demo is kind of difficult. Really, you can't get a rhythm in, in yeah, ten minutes. Yeah, it's, it's really so. hard to get a rhythm within <laughs> in ten minutes. And uh, learning animations, like oh, I know exactly what this guy's gonna do. It takes you three or four minutes just yeah. to get comfortable with the controller. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely one of those games. It probably would have been a better show for me if I had played it before or had like a way longer time to play. Right. It. Awesome. Uh, but that was it for Bandai. Okay. Um, after uh, Konami for me, I slid over to Borderlands Three. So we had a brief presentation for Borderlands 3. This is pretty much just the public booth that we had, and we just got to cut in line. Like they, they always let like a third of the of the they schedule appointments in, in fifteen minute increments, and they let like one third or forty percent of the presentation be like scheduled media people, and then the other sixty percent are filled in from the the line from the public. Um, so like a couple things, like I was somewhat paying attention to Borderlands 3 but not as much as other people have been in terms of the reveal and everything like that um, they called the the enemies that you're going to be fighting are children of the vault and those are the worshippers of the Calypso Twins and the Calypso Twins are the main prote- uh, antagonists in this game mm-hmm. um, and then they talked about Sanctuary 3 which is the ship that you're going to be using to travel from to different locations in the Borderlands universe so it's just not um, staying on one planet like you always have on Pandora um, so, and then they introduced two new vault hunters. Um, actually, they introduced three new vault hunters uh, this this week, and they talked more about the skill system. And it, with the characters now, you actually have more than one action skill. So there are tons of different um, things that you can pick and choose to spend your skill points and things like that on. So um, they talked about like Pandora being a location, Eden Six being a location, and um, Promethea being a location, like the moon of Pandora and other lo- and other things. Um, new vehicles, new melees. They added sliding, which I never realized maybe wasn't in the first two. Yeah, but it came out around a time where sliding just wasn't like a yeah. standard. So that was kind of something they were talking about. So you can do a lot. Of, you know, you can do the run and slide. And then tighter gunplay. And from playing the game, for sh- for sure, like, the game had a much tighter gunplay. So, like, I had a huge problem, like, playing, like, Borderlands 2, like, the handsome collection that I had and stuff like that after playing games like COD and Destiny. Mm-hmm. The shooting just felt kind of rough. Um, and then they went over, like, the co-op and the co-op social features. So they're still going to support split-screen, local split-screen, which I guess is good. I don't know. I'll, I'll never use it. Two. Okay. Two players uh, co-ops. Uh, and then four-player co-op um, online. So the thing that was most interesting to me is they talked about sometimes like um, opening up your game and matching with a random and I, I thought that they said like the loot like a couple weeks ago I thought they said that like if you and I were playing together like we'd both see a loot drop from a, from a boss kill mm-hmm. but it looked like they only showed one loot drop and then it showed the guy picking the loot up and then the other guy like like rage quitting the game like where he left. 
Yeah, that would ha- I believe that happened in the first one. I don't know if they fixed okay. that in the second one. So it was like it sounds like that's still a thing in the third one. Mm-hmm. But now you have the ability to via in-game email loot to re- players that were on your team. Mm. So let's say that you inadvertently pick something up and you know then you didn't need to or I leave or you're playing with a random you can actually go into like your I think your players met section on board and you can actually send them loot. Oh, so when I send you a message, you piece of shit garbage. I, why'd you take that gun? You'd yeah. be like, oh, I'm so sorry, sir. Yeah. Here's an email. Okay. <laughs> Apparently. Um, they could have just fixed that. <laughs> and then items um, that your friends put up for sale. So let's say you're playing on Sunday night and you get a bunch of things and you want to sell them to the vending machine or whatever, or you're putting them up for sale. I can sign into the game Monday morning and I can see that you're selling something and I can try to buy it. Okay. Um so and then it also talks about when like some this they didn't go too deep on but when bosses show up in like a friend's mission they also have a chance to show up in your missions as well so I think they have a little bit of randomization with the bosses Um, and then like I said send loot to friends via email in the game Um, and then tons of cosmetic stuff they showed off like weapon skins and character skins and masks and things like that Um, there's an email system in Borderlands now Mm -hmm. so then um, you know you can get weapon trinkets, collectible things to hang off of your weapons. So I mean, it's just doing a whole bunch of customizable stuff. And they stopped and emphasized that all of this is earnable in game. It's not loot boxes. It's not random. Chances. But those are in there, right? Or not loot boxes, microtransactions. Or yeah, it, it appears so, but you don't have to spend any money. So they say that. Yeah. So and then, like I said, Eden Six is another new destination. Um, they kind of like referred to it a little bit more like as the Louisiana of Borderlands, like the look to it that they're going for was kind of like the Louisiana of Borderlands. Um, and then it's also the home of the Jacobs Weapon Foundry manufacturer. So like there's through the campaign that like, you're going to be help, helping working with the Jacobs family, which is probably going to reward you with more weapons. And again, I'm not versed in the Borderlands universe, so I don't know like if Jacobs weapons were like really good and stuff like that in Borderlands 1 or 2. Mm-hmm. Um and then they showed a third new Vault Hunter. Um, I didn't catch her name, but um, she, she she can use a, she has a mech that she can call. So this is the one that you can like unlock a skill tree or a talent to where like you could climb on my back of, of the mech mm-hmm. and kind of group up together. So the game felt fun. Um, it it just felt like a like a like a first person shooter. Uh, it just cleaned up. It was cleaned up a little bit. Um, ammo economies felt like a little bit of a problem trying to open up the crates and stuff like that that are all spread out throughout the level while you're kind of being shot at because you need to find something. You know, felt a little... Clunky is a bad word, but not smooth. Mm-hmm. So um, so maybe some of that stuff will still be cleaned up and streamlined, but I multiple times I ran out of ammo. And especially in a game, I feel like with Borderlands, which is kind of like a little bit of a running gun style of game. Like yeah, it's, it's, running, it's, yeah, it's... Yeah, running out of ammo is annoying. So. Mm-hmm. Ammo economy seems to be a problem in general at some of these builds. At some of these game builds this week. So. I wonder if it's just they don't expect you to be playing that long, so they don't feel like... But I feel like an infinite ammo thing would be very nice for a lot of shooter demos. Yeah. Just, you know, make make us media feel good. Um, and then you went to Sega, right? Yeah, I um, kind of didn't really need to go to this appointment just because uh, this appointment was for Catherine and a Sega Genesis collection, uh, but I took care of Catherine the day before... So, but I still wanted to see the Sega Genesis collection. That was like my first console. You know, I remember playing Streets of Rage in the kitchen on like a little 13-inch TV because that's where our Genesis was. Was your controller as big as that one they showed? No, no, it wasn't. The, they have a gigantic like 
gigantic. Like a gigantic. Word. Yeah, it, it's it's massive. They have like one of those like arcadey gigantic like size of a kitchen table uh, Genesis controllers out there. Uh, but yeah, no, I uh, got to play the Sega Genesis um, Mini. Uh, just I, I just wanted to get a hold of the controller, which is like an actual size controller. Mm-hmm. They didn't like shrink that controller, which is nice, I think, just because it's cute when they do that with like the little PlayStation controller. But like playing that PlayStation controller for <laughs> a couple hours was you know rough. Um, they showed off obviously just a couple games to see uh, to, uh, see how well the emulation is, which is pretty good. Uh, sounds like Sega did some work on an emulator as opposed to they may have licensed out an emulator, but they also did work on it, as, mm-hmm. you know, uh, which was kind of a mystery with the PlayStation Classic of just like okay, they licensed an emulator, but they tested out and we ran into like Hertz issues and stuff. Uh, but the, the the cool thing uh, I saw why playing it uh, is the games will have multiple regions that are easy accessible you don't have to plug in a keyboard to get the right region mm-hmm. like on a Playstation Classic I'm just going to shit on a Playstation Classic basically uh, and when you change the region obviously it'll change the language but it'll change the console name in the UI to whatever the console was named you know so Mega Drive or whatever okay. and then it would also change the game if the game it was different in a different region that'll be changed and it'll also change all the box art so the box art will be that specific box art for that region. So it's like little touches like that, which mm-hmm. I, which I appreciate, uh, just because you know, sometimes they had really nice box art. Right. Uh, but, yeah, for sure. Uh, but also you have to so play mad- marketing a video game with what the box looks like mattered more than what the game was. Yes, because you would. <laughs> that's all you would have. Yeah. Uh, so, so I played around with like Street to Rage because it had to because it's the game I associate with the Genesis enough. It felt good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it still has a problem that the other ones had, uh, what were the, like the the, uh, the Nintendo ones had, where the cord is a little too short for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, which they said, you know, like you can also plug in like the IM eight bit controllers in there, and you can. Does a regular it. original Genesis controller plug work? No, no, because it's just USB. Uh, but there are adapters apparently that you can get, um, not from them, but third parties have well, adapters. Of course, third party. Yeah, of course. Uh, but it felt good. Like the controller, I forget how light those Genesis controllers were back then because there was no rumble or anything like that to like mm-hmm. build up the weight. Uh, they did go three button with the controller, which uh, kind of sucks because they have like Street Fighter uh, and another fighting game on there that I'm blanking on. Uh, and typically you would want six button controllers uh, for fighting games, but because there was only two fighting games and the Genesis only originally shipped with a three button controller that then come till later in its life cycle right. they wanted to celebrate the original launch uh, Genesis and that meant to keep it as authentic as having the original like three button controller layout as opposed to six button but again if you wanted to do like third party you can get a six button controller that way but they wanted to keep it authentic as, as much as they could uh, but yeah, it was just kind of just us talking uh, Genesis memories and playing Streets of Rage for a little bit, and just hearing about the process and just uh, how how much they had to work on to make sure they had like a really good list of games and did things special. Like there's two games on there. Uh, Tetris didn't originally come out on the Genesis. Mm-hmm. They had to find old code to see it because it was supposed to come to Genesis, but something happened licensing-wise where they couldn't bring it. And then there's a couple of games that never made it to the Genesis, but they are were in arcades, and they ported those games 
to the Genesis Mini. So there's a couple games that haven't been on the Genesis before, but were supposed to, and you know things happen that they finally brought over to the Genesis. That's cool. Gives you a reason to think about picking it up. Yeah, um, and, and and you know they they got some good licenses. Like they were able to work with Disney to get like the two Mickey Mouse games on there, which right. would, you thought would have been impossible. I thought that would just be like a Stadia add-on to Disney Plus or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But everything they, they seem to have done with this seems pretty good. I did ask, um, they couldn't give me a definitive answer, uh, but it's one of those things where I asked, is this going to be like temporarily in stores like the Nintendo ones were? Uh, and they said they don't plan to keep production of this going. That doesn't mean... Uh, so that they're not going to see a $15 segment Genesis Mini in like six months? Well, that's... That, that's for a different reason for why we saw some $15 ones. I think it's not a 30 now. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they, they... And, and he, the guy was up front. He's like, I'm not just going to tell you this because, you know, I want everyone to go buy it out, but just be aware that we're not going to produce this forever. You know, it's not going to be something that's going to be on the shelves for, like, a super long time. Because they're so, going to do the Saturn mini, so... It probably, yeah. <laughs> Would people really want that? <laughs> Dreamcast Dream, Mini, yeah, Dreamcast Mini, yeah, and you can, yeah, the Dreamcast Mini yeah. would be amazing, but you'd have to then license all the old basketball players and football players, is because that's people associate with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's 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 cool, and, and it seems like if you want to pick it up, you might need to pick it up right away, just because it it might. He wouldn't, you know, stick to any specific timeline, but I'm just like holiday. He's just like, you know, we're gonna produce some, or we're gonna produce, you know, a lot. And then probably not produce them any, anymore. How long that lasts, he couldn't. But so they don't have a release date yet. No, they do. Uh, it's it's uh, I forget what it is. I think it's in, like September, October. Okay. Yeah. So right right around the holidays. Yep. All right. Um, after that, I got to go to Warner Brothers and see Lego uh, Star Wars: The Skywalker Saga. Uh, again, just a presentation, not playable. They um, were very quick to the the first thing that you said when you saw it was like it has to be what. Like remastered yeah. of like because the original trilogy had like a Lego collection, I believe. So. Yeah, all nine games have been completely redone from the ground up, brand new games. That's cool. Uh, open world aspect. Um, you can jump into any game that you want right off the beginning. You don't have to unlock anything. You don't have to play through any campaigns. You don't even have to. You can just go right into the open world aspect and explore and switch characters and, and do all that stuff that you want to do. Um, all like the big ships and things like that. They were they're all made from Lego. Obviously, like like they're one of them. They said I think that that you know like they built and made things in the game that they said that could be made at home if you have like a giant warehouse that can house one of these things mm-hmm. and cost eighteen or not cost but you would use eighteen million Lego bricks to build to make mm-hmm. it. Um, so, like that was there. The gameplay looked fluid, switching back and forth. They'd done some additions to like to the force mechanics for uh, the characters that can use the force, where you can pick up multiple objects and throw them. Um, there's a shoot over the shoulder shooting aspect to the game now. If you choose to, like uh, they showed Chewbacca, like you know, using his what looked like his uh, laser crossbow kind of thing. Um, and the, the characters react to that. Like if you hit an enemy in the knee, they're gonna hobble around a little bit. If you hit him in the head, their Lego head will pop off. Um, you know the, the the basic humor that you'd expect to remember is is, is in there. Um, you have the absolute freedom to, to to do what you want. Random encounters with the Empire can happen during the open world. Like they actually showed you flying into like planets and things like that. And as you're flying into the planets, like an Empire ship just all of a sudden jets in front of you and intercepts you. And then all of a sudden you're in a ship battle, or you can try to run away from it. Um, 
uh, like I said, everything in the game is made from Legos. Every location um, from the films is in the game and explorable. So anywhere that you can go, um, the new visual tech, um, weathering effects like they showed, like like in the desert level they were in, they showed like um, and I'm not I'm terrible with some of these names for for things for Star Wars, but they showed like I want to call it like a horse like character with like this um, cover over it, and it showed like dirt like moving up its up and it's like up that cover mm-hmm. like from the ground. So like the tech and everything that was cool, all the collectibles you expect to be there are there. Um, and then, you know, of course you have co-op, uh, so a new melee combat system as well, uh, different attacks mapped to the force buttons and then more variety means, you know, the, the better it rewards you if you do different things in the game for combat wise, there's challenges and things like that as well to give you more studs and things like that to unlock more things. Um, and like I said, the over the shoulder shootings and the characters react to how you shoot. So, uh, it looked really good. It looked like a Lego game, but it had a little bit more polish to it and things like that and, it's coming out in 2020. That's all they're saying so far. So, um, what did I see after that? Because you had a little bit of a break. Yeah, Zen. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I went and saw Zen, um, and it was uh, Castle Storm Two. Um, they're hoping to get it out this year, um, but this is a. I don't even know the exact terminology I would use for this. Kind of a, a like a push and pull game where it showed like you have your your stronghold area that you're protecting and you're building up. And you have other levels, and it's a turn. It's a turn-based game, and each the the map is built in into octagonal sections where you can um, build a farm, and then you have to wait for the computer to make a turn or your opponent to make a turn. And then after since you built the farm, you're going to start to receive resources from building the farm, which makes it easier for you to take over the you know the, the next cube or the next octagon and move forward. Um, you can actually go in and when you're doing the battles where it shows like you're going to, you know, attack like a, like a small farm, like you can go in there, you can individually control each character as you, as you're trying to take over that area. Um, and then like the, the biggest question I asked was like, cause it looks like a, you know, to me, like I hadn't played very much or any of the first castle storm. Um, like the castle battle is still there. Like castle versus castle is still there. And but building up the architecture around that area to, um, to eventually the goal is to take over the entire board and you can make the maps bigger or smaller. The one he was showing me like fit on a screen, but then he showed me like the large scale map, which would take, you know, a group of eight players, like months to, to, to have somebody dominate that field. So, um, the cloud coverage is there and, you know, things like that. So, um, it's not really my kind of game, but it actually looks like something I think I might enjoy playing against, like, my wife or against my son. You know, like, you don't actually have to be online at the same time, but you guys can be on the game and, you know, like, do a bunch of stuff, wait for the other person to make a turn, sign in, and stuff like that. So, um, so that was cool. And they gave me some funky slippers that I don't even know if they fit me. Probably not. So. <laughs> They're probably normal-sized slippers. <laughs> no, I don't have that big of a foot. So then you got to go see Devolver, huh? Yeah, I went to Devolver. Uh, it's funny when I... Uh, Devolver is always interesting and a little weird. Uh, I went towards... Uh, I didn't know what I was seeing. It was just unannounced Devolver game was in my schedule. And then when I went there, like, okay, you're going to see uh, Fall Guys, which is the, like, Game Beast yeah, Beast Battle Royale, basically. <laughs> uh, but it was funny when I, I got there, they're like, oh, take off your shoes before you go in the trailer. And the site. Like, Why? Uh, but I did, and then I go in it, and I open up this big trailer. It's like a double-wide trailer, and they have that foam mat that you see in, like, preschools where it's, like, puzzle piece together, and they have the entire room covered in that foam, basically, wow. that foam mat. 
and it's all bright and colorful, and it's because it matches the aesthetic of Fall Guys, which is a 100-player game show, basically. Uh, Obstacle Course, it's in the same vein of... Uh, I'm forgetting, but there was like a couple obstacle shows that were on like G4 back in the day, but also like Wipeout uh, and like almost to a lesser extent like Ninja Warrior type thing. Um, and it is 100 players online only experience uh, coming to PS4 and Steam. Uh, it's really fun. Uh, if you imagine like the, the Game Beasts type of physics, because uh, that's how the characters are, you, you really only have like uh, analog stick to, to run. You have a dive where you just headbutt whatever's in front of you, and then you have a grab and a, a jump. That's basically it. And it's just going through different obstacles. So uh, the matches, at least in this demo, because they only had four people, they didn't have 100 people to, to play the game. Unbelievable. Yeah, right? It's a, crazy. Uh, they, it was four people versus like 96 AI, uh, and they broke it down into uh, three rounds. The uh, first round was pretty simple. It was just like a m- bunch of doors, uh, and you had a headbutt into the door to see if you can break it, and not every door could actually open. So you're just like going door-to-door, headbutting, or waiting for like other people to make a hole and then just make a dash, and you go through multiple layers to finish that round. Uh, and then the second round was basically just tag or it, uh, where uh, you if you have a tail... You, you basically pull a tail off another character, and then if you have that tail, when the countdown ends, you move on to the next round. So it's elimination round because it's only one person can win. And so then, when you pull the tail off, though, it's like if you lost your, t- if I lost my tail, am I able to grab another one? Yeah, yeah. You okay. have to. There's, uh, I forget exactly how many people that uh, made it into the last round, but there was only a certain amount of tails that you basically just had to grab one, and then there's crazy obstacles and, like, hazards in the map, so when you're trying to run from someone, they're trying to get your tail, you just do your best to, like, get them to fall into a hazard or get hit by something. Right. Uh, and then the last round was a... I would almost... Uh, the, the last stage in Ninja Warrior where it's, like, a really hard obstacle course. You had a bunch of hazards. You're going uphill, and then you're trying to get the one crown... Right. That's there uh, to to win, uh, but it's it was really fun. It was actually surprisingly intense. Uh, just doing that run, you had like a bunch of like like balls with spikes on them falling at you, and then you had to like dodge it real quick, or it push you all the way back to the beginning. Uh, it, it's only going to be online only because they, they need a hundred players okay. for this to work. Uh, but I, I, some of the modes were fun enough that I, I immediately was like, some this might be fun to play like couch. I think they might eventually like add yeah. like a four player thing with yeah. all four players on screen, but yeah, uh, because there's not going to be any AI in the actual game. Uh, they only want to have real people playing. That's a the risk. Game. That 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 is a risk, uh, and uh, it's coming to PS4 and Steam. That sounds like a long matchmaking times. Yeah, there's only potentially. Be, yeah, yeah, but but there's only going to be the one mode, so they're hoping that funnels uh, everyone okay. into that. that. There, yeah. You can't break into specific modes. Yeah. Uh, they think matches will last about 15 minutes, and there's like 30 different variances for everything but that last round, which is going up the mountain. Uh, so that's about five minutes around, then, right? Uh, they said uh, a typical match can last anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes uh, because. Uh, if they get a full 100-player game, then they're probably going to have you do five rounds oh, yeah. just so they can eliminate enough people to get to that last round. But if matchmaking doesn't work out to a full game, then you'll do like three yeah, rounds. So it's probably a 20, every 20 characters probably dictates a round, I would say. Something like so. that, yeah. 
Um, do you think it's a skill-based thing, or do you think it's a luck-based thing, or 50-50? Um, the controls are a little bit tighter than Game Beast, so I can see a little bit of skill in it for some of the obstacles, but there is definitely luck. That last round, uh, the stuff's is going everywhere, yeah. so uh, it's definitely not to be taken super serious, and you can customize your character and all that. I did ask about crossplay, and an answer we heard a lot from developers, we want to do it, we just don't know if we can. Yeah. Uh, so they're down to do crossplay because I feel like crossplay would be very important for, for a game like this yeah, for sure. when you're trying to fill a match with 100 players. Yeah. Uh, but they're, they're down for it if Sony allows them. Uh, but hopefully by the time it comes out, which uh, they say sometime next year, uh-huh. uh, they will be able to have crossplay because Sony would have opened the floodgates right. for that. All right. Um, and I got to go over to Square Enix and see um, Avenger, Marvel's Avengers. I keep wanting to call it like the Avengers or something like that, but it's just called Marvel's Avengers. Yeah, just like Spider-Man was called Marvel's Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, not playable. So everybody can, if you're watching, to see, like, I didn't get to play. They made it sound like it was playable at the thing, and you'll be able to, you know, it's like, but it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, it was being played by someone Yeah, but in, in the room with us. Um so they pretty much just showed the first mission, and this is, I guess, if I had to guess, this is probably like the only thing that was missing from this was maybe tutorials of how it works, like popping up on the screen. Um, it showed the cutscene that everybody saw, the press conferences, and the trailers, and then it showed um, immediately went to Thor and Thor's gameplay of throwing his hammer around, fighting the enemies that they're fighting, um, and then it, giving you a good idea how that how his gameplay works. And then it switched to Iron Man, and Iron Man's gameplay was a little bit more aerial-based. Him flying around, shooting at things that are flying, and trying to, to compensate and, and stop the Golden Gate Bridge from collapsing. Um, and then they showed Hulk. You know, Hulk's was a little bit more, obviously, like melee-based combat, like climbing on some things, moving from the walls, running, and a lot more platforming than getting there and picking up like a tank and throwing a tank at another tank. Um, they just did a really good job of showing off the... the um, Variety of gameplay for each character, and then you were, you know, controlling Black Widow, and you know she was, you know, obviously more of a gymnastics, you know, combat and things like that. Um, and then I had to, I had to ask you who this was because I didn't. I wrote down like a whole bunch of question marks, but it seems like the demo or the villain is Taskmaster. Yeah, which I Taskmaster is usually hired by someone because he's he's a merc, he's mm-hmm. a mercenary like Deadpool. He's actually one of Deadpool's rivals uh, in the mercenary business. Uh, so I, I assume he won't be the main villain. I'm interested to see how he looks because he was also in uh, Spider-Man as a side mission. Okay. So I'm wondering if it's the same look. That would be very interesting to see if he looks similar I to see that. He one. had a yeah, no, like that's what I'm saying. He has, he has a skull yeah. mask and everything like that. But I just wonder if like his color scheme. I'm sure someone will like sneak a photo <laughs> that I'll be able to find on Twitter later. Uh, yeah, but Taskmaster is usually uh, he's a really cool villain, but he's usually just like the first boss before mm-hmm. you, you see who hires him. Um, so I, they weren't really like talking about or answering any questions about how like the future is going to look in terms of they, but they keep emphasizing like you're going to build your arsenal of more heroes and things like that. So um, it looked better. I feel like it looked better gameplay wise than what some of the trailers and stuff like that looked. So like that was definitely um, a slight bonus to it. Um, but the facial animation still looks a little off. So, yeah, I hope that gets fixed. Their their faces. I this some of the character designs to change. Cap needs to get rid of his uh, his weird body armor look. Thor looks like he's got 
dishes on his chest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black Widow's face is a little off. I mean, Iron Man's face is a little bit off. Uh, we were talking about how uh, we wish Nolan North changed his voice just a little bit because he's capable of changing his voice, but it's too much of his voice, which is just too much of Nathan Drake, yeah. which is just odd. And Nathan Drake's a very youthful, young voice and feel like Tony Stark, especially this, there's a time jump in right. it that I expect him to sound a little bit more like grizzled. So, I mean, it looks really good. Um, I'm, I'm definitely intrigued. To, the biggest thing that I'm most interested about is, like, how the co-op is going to work. Like, obviously, I feel like everything we're seeing right now is, like, the first mission and the tutorial-based mission, which, obviously, any multiplayer co-op game, you have to get through a certain point, and then that unlocks all the, like, now your friends can join you, you know, things like that. And, obviously, like, I'm assuming there's going to be, you can't just run in there with four hulks. But it'd be great if you could. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's that. Um, we're working with um, some of the PR people from Square to try to see if we can get anything in the future. Like everything, everybody's a little nuts. And right before my Avengers interview is when that power blipped mm. on the show floor. So it kind of threw everything behind. So I think they were all still kind of like yeah. in a panic after that. Power like, went out at E3 for a couple seconds in the South Hall. Yeah. Uh, Apparently the Switch is held up because those are all handheld devices. <laughs> Someone was tweeting like, hey, new marketing scheme for Microsoft, uh, for, for Nintendo. Uh, I will briefly talk um, the, my Funcom appointment, which was for Conan. Um, and then I also, that's just a, a roguelike, like essentially like a multiplayer co-op roguelike where you can, you know, it's a, just a jump and slash and things like that. Um, that allows, it was very top down, very basic, very, you know, like, um, almost mobile game feeling like, but I could definitely see the, the fun aspect of playing with like three or four of your friends. Um, and then I got to play, I had actually played, I got to play moons of madness. Um, I had to play this on a keyboard and mouse. So thankfully this wasn't terrible because it was more like clicking and moving with your, with the, uh, the keyboard. Um, it's a horror game. It had some pretty interesting game mechanics, but a little frustrating, a lot more, figure it out, kind of explore yourself, like look around, pick something up, flip it over. There's a number on the back. That number on the back is what opens up a keypad, like two rooms over. So like that kind of worked. I just didn't like the controls on keyboard, but I'm not going to hold that against it because they don't have controller support yet or didn't have controllers for me to use. So, um, You had Dying Light? Yeah, so, uh, hands off with Dying Light, but it was a good like 20, 30-minute presentation. Uh, the one thing that they wanted to show as a new feature, which I thought they talked about a little bit last year, uh, but there's a branching story uh, based on the decisions that you make in the game. The The scenario they ran us through uh, was one of uh, your allies gets stabbed, and you need to decide whether you stay with him or go after the people that uh, stabbed him, or not stabbed, shot him. Uh, and that is like one of the decisions that you make. And when you do that, you go on this whole like truck trace scene as you're chasing a truck while you're parkouring across rooftops. And that stuff just looks so much. It, it was smooth before, but it looks even smoother now uh, for, for Dying Light 2 uh, compared to Dying Light 1. So we saw a ton of uh, those like cool parkour moves it took place during the daylight but there was a couple times where he accidentally fell through a roof and went inside a building and the zombies hibernate during the day 
So it was a matter of course you fell around with like fifty of them. Yeah, no, basically he ran with like fifty of them and then had to find his way out and it almost felt almost puzzle like of just like looking around like okay I can jump there 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 get up there or I can just like go through like the front door and try and do that. Uh, They show different like uh, things that you have uh, with your arsenal. It's like fifteen years after the first game, so uh, the the zombies have evolved, but also the technology you have to fight them has evolved. Uh, so they obviously they've showed like the, the melee weapons and like the one you had can like electrocute as well. Uh, but they also showed like these UV basically uh, like glow sticks that you can drop that will like freak out the zombies because they can't be out during the day. Oh, okay. Um, so there's a couple times where you get like held like a vitamin down. D stick. Yeah, you, you you get like you get held down by a bunch of zombies and you're like, oh, this is gonna be game over. But then you have like you know. That last ditch effort of just pulling out one of those uh, like break sticks or whatever, and then UV light loosens you up. Uh, and they said you'll have those, and that, that can be used as you know your last ditch effort. You won't have a ton of them, you know, because I think you have to craft them or something like right. that. So it's just a matter of like if you're on a mission, you got to make sure get a Jeffrey card or something. Yeah, you, you have a couple of them with you uh, if you're running into danger. Uh, but then they they show uh, you get you find out on the radio like hey your 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 friend died and then the guy uh, during the presentation is just like could your friend have survived if you stayed and helped you know that's a possibility mm-hmm. uh, and then you you make it to the the base and then more like cool parkour moves and then you have to make another big decision and then he's like and that decision branches the story off completely. So they made sure that choices matter in this game, mm-hmm. and there's different variances. And then they said uh, there'll be a new game plus, and then that new game plus you can then use to make decisions the opposite direction. Right. But you're leveled up, and so you can go through it a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. They say when it's coming out yet? Uh, I believe it's uh, either, I want to say it's like next year, or it might be this year. Uh, a lot of that stuff... Uh, I stopped paying attention to when they said release dates a little bit just because most of the time it's just like a window. It might be this year. Okay. Uh, but it's, uh, it, it was pretty cool. They uh, you, You'll have uh, two to four player co-op. Oh, nice. Um, okay. Because of the decision branch, you know, it's going to be one of those ones where your story isn't going to progress in someone else's game uh, because decisions, you know, like it's their story. But you will be able to take like the gear and the leveling up that you did in their story to your character. Uh, I know we sometimes have a problem with uh, co-op games that do that because you're not progressing your story, but it feels justified in this one because it's you can actually like make and craft your own story. Uh, but I just feel like you just don't do co-op at this point in time. Like I, I know that co-op is a big deal and a, and a fun thing, but if it's going to be like, here, come help me do something, and then... Unless they're cutting out cutscenes completely, or like it's it's just it's hard, and I feel like games feel like they have to do it, but then they don't want to because they don't want they want the na- branching narrative, but they don't want you to see what I saw. And, you know, like. yeah. It, but it, they they said at least you know you'll you'll see what your friends' decisions are, so that's a way without having to play the game again by yourself. You can see what your friends did, mm. judge them based on what they did, judge them. Yeah. <laughs> But it looked it looks really good. I, I'm, I'm excited to to play uh, Dying Light. It's been a while. It's been like four years since uh, mm-hmm. the the first game, and we're not going to get any Dead Islands from anyone anytime soon. Sounds like it's still in development. They say that, but I don't believe them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Dying Light looks fantastic, uh, and uh, that was it for Dying Light. Okay. Uh, quickly, we saw you and I together went and saw Eureka Ergonomics uh, Gaming Desks. Mm-hmm. Um, 
pretty cool concept. They still look a little bit small for me, mm-hmm. uh, lower lower to the ground than I would like. Um, but he did try to like ensure me that there are things that would exist for me. <laughs> yeah, they basically standing desks that you could just adjust yeah. to, to um, normal height. So these are you know like desks that are built mostly for PC gaming. But he did say that he's realized through a little bit more of his research and everything like that. Like consoles, a lot of console gamers are moving to a desk, mm-hmm. even if they're not streaming. They're just you know we heard from the games guy that like you know 19 inch monitors are kind of like or TVs are like the way to go in terms of eye strain and you know things like that. So as these people are getting more and more involved in the gaming aspect or content creation or anything like that they're moving to a desk Mm -hmm. Um, you know and then obviously with the huge influx of PC gaming still not quite on the level of console gaming but uh, his desks look pretty cool I mean they've got a lot of of lighting on them yeah LED (laughs) lights different designs along the edges and stuff like that and they had some chairs with LED lights I don't know how I feel about the chairs with LED lights but so um, some of the stuff we saw looked cool like individual like uh, like a, a side thing to put your drink if you have a drink at the desk with you so it's not at the risk of like spilling your drink on your desk or anything like that um, lots, of, lots of cord management and, and you know things like that and yeah. so just storage aspects and, and um, the biggest thing that I like about it at least from my standpoint of content creation and things like that is like that whole lip around the entire desk yeah. where you can attach a monitor clip or you can attach you know um, like a, a swing arm and things like that so hopefully that we get to do some more stuff with them in the future but we'll see how that goes um, and then we both went and saw Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Yep. Um, I was a little disappointed. Uh, is it because you sucked at the game? Because you and the other guy kept dying. Like, I would die arriving you guys. Right. Yeah. Um, it's it, not necessarily because that I sucked at it. I felt like the, your health pool went down, like, really, really fast compared to other games. I didn't really... I mean, I, it was... It, the only thing I got frustrated with is uh, you had to use syringes to heal mm-hmm. and then bandages to fix wounds but I couldn't really determine exactly when I needed yeah. to use one or the other yeah but we only had like three tiny health bars right so I don't know if you can level yourself up but they did talk about more about like the survival aspect of the game I guess compared to wildlands for me like in the the style of play that I do um, it just seemed a little bit frustrating and that could be because it was still early on we were running into some bug things where which is very common in a Tom Clancy game. Yeah, I, particularly our partner. We had one developer playing with us, and then another per, another yeah. member of the media, and their computer crashed like three times. Yeah. Like I didn't think ours had any no. crashes or anything. I mean, I had a couple things where I wasn't getting my reticles and stuff like that showing yeah. up and stuff like that. Um, there was a lot going on, though, with drones and snipers. Yeah, and- the, the first mission uh, we did really well at. Uh, so he's like, okay, I think we're ready to do a harder one. And then that's kind of when everything <laughs> fell apart for us because it was a little bit more difficult. Uh, but uh, I, I liked it in terms of just gunplay felt solid and uh, some of the glitches were annoying but we give passes on glitches uh, right. at, at these type of demos uh, but yeah that was it's, a, it's a third person shooter that goes into first person when you ADS which is always mm-hmm. you know a little bit of a challenge for me compared to like some of the other Ubisoft and Tom Clancy games that I'm used to that are, end up kind of doing the over the shoulder thing unless mm-hmm. you're sniping um, but overall I mean like what they're the scope of what they're trying to tell. I'm more interested in this story of the ghost versus the wolves is what I'm more mm-hmm. interested in for that game. They showed some pretty cool cutscenes and things like that of uh, what's going on in his group of mercenaries with the wolves and things like that. So um, we do have an interview for that, so that'll be on the episode next week. Um, and then you went to 505. Yeah, I saw uh, Journey to the Savage Planet. I believe is the the title. Uh, it's definitely Journey something to the Savage Planet. Uh, it's a new studio uh, built from a couple people from Ubisoft, 
uh, Eidos Montreal, mm-hmm. or not Eidos Montreal, whoever worked at Warner, Warner Montreal. Uh, so it's a team like that. So people that come from a pedigree of AAA serious games uh, are making a lighthearted, like, comedic exploration game where you are you work for a corporation you're like an astronaut you work for a corporation and you crash land on a planet you need to explore it and then work to get your ship ready um really bright and colorful it's almost like if like that when when you think of the game almost think of like that first trailer for uh no man's sky Uh, you know that bright colorful world in terms of that but just like crazier there's like uh different biomes on this planet uh it just didn't even the one biome i was i didn't even get to fully explore in like the, the half hour i played uh, there was like snow and then like jungle and like crazy architecture you have a jetpack and a gun uh they didn't want to have a gun in a game but they but you have to they they had to yeah. like because uh, a lot of the puzzles are like how do i interact with the environment to do something and sometimes a gun is the easiest way to interact with something in the game Uh, but there's like weird things like there's uh, some weird like food in a can that you had on your ship it's called glob Uh, and you can use that to attract some of the animals who are on uh, the planet and you use that to lead them into traps it might open up different areas and stuff like that but it's like you're just exploring this world that there was supposed to be no life or intelligent life on it, and you slowly discover that there might have been. And will you meet them? Who knows? Uh, and it's just, it's supposed to be like a shorter experience. Like they're in the studio, they just really started. Uh, but it was very funny. It, it had that like, like that portal sense of humor where it's like your AI that's talking to you is like a quippy corporate uh, AI will be sarcastic and like tell you not to every time you eat something on the planet be like why the hell did you do that <laughs> we don't know if this is safe uh you can die in the game but apparently they clone you uh immediately so you just <laughs> pop on the ship and you know like the, the ai at one point is just like yeah we could probably do this 50 more times but please don't like <clears throat> please stop dying uh, but it was just, it, it was cool it was really lighthearted. Uh, apparently it's gonna be you know not a crazy long experience uh, because it's like three different biomes you're just exploring. You have a jetpack for uh, like platforming and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So like there's a lot of uh, and what I played like puzzle platforming mm-hmm. where it's just like how do I get to that point? And you see a bunch of different ways you could possibly do it. And you just have to use the jetpack, which you can level up along okay. with your gun. You said you were getting a little bit of a the visualize a little bit of a No Man's Sky feel. Kinda, yeah, just with the the color scheme and then like some of the creatures are like really weird creatures. There's this one creature that looked like a weird like flamingo, uh, but it screamed like an annoying human scream every time it saw you. It would turn around to you and then it would just let out the most like weird high pitched human scream and run around. So it's like a, a their their character design seems to like have a little bit more personality to them than when we had in like a No Man's Sky, mm-hmm. uh, but it seems like they saw that and were like, "What if we made like a really condensed version of that on just one planet and just have you explore?" Because you, you have a scanner, you're scanning different items, you're collecting different items to like level up your stuff. So it's cool. I got that vibe from it, but it seems pretty cool. And that I believe is coming out next year. Mm-hmm. All right, um, that is it. For what we saw on Wednesday. So today is the last day of the show. Um, you and I both have a pretty full schedule as well. 
couple hardware appointments. You get to see Outer Worlds today, which yeah, is really cool. Yeah, start my day with that. Um, and then I, I, we've got some. Um, and then you have. Um, we both have Cyberpunk mm-hmm. together, and then you have um, Roller Champions, and I have Watchdogs. Yes. Um, and then we get to see a little bit of. Um, I think you're going to see Destroy All Humans, and I'm going to see Darksiders. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there's. Trying four for you and some deep silver stuff for me. Um, Wasteland three, Iron Harvest, and F one. So we got a pretty packed day. We the plan is to stream again and record tonight. So if you're listening to this um, on Thursday, on Thursday we're going to record again Thursday evening, um, depending on what time we get back from the show and everything like that. So and if you're watching it, then we'll be back tonight. And if you're just listening to it, it'll just show up in the feed as well. So I know we had a little bit of funky things going on with the podcast feed the other day, but that all seems to be resolved. And then again, like I said, next week will be just the interviews. Like we're going to, you know, over the weekend, I'll splice together some stuff and I'll put all the interviews out as one full episode and that'll probably release like on Tuesday. Because yeah, right yeah. now you have like what, four or five interviews. Yeah, I, yeah, I have two, two three. Books. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll probably be about an hour of interviews, total yeah. worth of interviews in general. So thanks guys for listening, downloading. We appreciate you. Uh, thanks for watching. If you've been watching, chatting, all that stuff. Hope everyone has a great rest of your day. See ya.